this solution mm. that I, I am, I know it sounds very arrogant, but this solution that I'm proposing, mm. uh, but and I don't believe that I'm the only one mm. who, who, who believes in this, mm. but um, here, here's where I think the issue is uh, with mm. regards to solving the big three monsters of money and all that. Mm. Um, I think the problem with Malaysia is that we don't have that united front, yes. right? We don't have that uh, shared, like belief systems about mm. what is like the base bare bone human right, the rights are the rights of a citizen and yeah this country, and, right? and also what is a Malaysian right mm-hmm. no nobody has that. I- identity yeah everyone has you know I'm Chinese I'm I'm Malay I'm I'm Indian I'm whatever right and that is important to retain but underneath that there needs to be a common understanding of we are Malaysians. Yes, yes. And so for me, the question is how do we uh, achieve that? And I believe to solve the issues of Malaysia requires, there are, there are only idealistic options. Correct. There is no- There's no in between no, or it, compromise. It, yeah, correct. Uh, it's harder, it's harder. Like compromise would be what we're doing. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is what happened, but he's not, is it working? I, I doubt yeah. so. So, um, <laughs> The first is actually the big mistake by all, I would say all races is language. Oh yes. Because before we even talk, uh, like we, we like to talk about the fancy stuff, right? Uh, especially those who are, you know, more English educated and whatnot. Um, before you even talk about it, you know, how, how, if we cannot talk to each other, like what is the point? Yes. So. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.com firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firl.co slash free. All right, John. Um, all right, before that, uh, guys, welcome back to the Fire Podcast. Best place for long-term stock investors. Now, today is going to be different. We're not having a guest. Uh, and the reason is because we just read, well, actually, we read it earlier in the year or late last year. We were supposed to review it back then. But after four or five months, we uh, have finally discovered the time to actually do it because yeah. we've got so many guests in the past. Uh, to review this book by, um, you know, is he a Tan Sri already? Uh, I, I, I think he rather not be addressed okay. by the honorific. Mr. Nazir Razak. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Nazir Razak's uh, book. For those of you who don't know, Mr. Nazir Razak is the younger brother of uh, Tan Sri, eh, no, wait, Dato, Dato Sri. Najib Razak. If you don't know who's Najib Razak, then uh, please don't, 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 <laughs> don't bother watch. watching no, this. No, but for our, maybe for our foreign viewers, Najib yeah. Razak is our sixth prime minister. Yes. Yes, sixth prime minister. Sorry, like we have so many prime ministers, I'm a bit like jaded really. <laughs> uh, but you know, this book is very interesting because I think this is one of the few books in Malaysia that gives insight into not just like the political, but also corporate development in Malaysia. And a lot of these are very juicy secrets actually. Yeah. I mean, to the point of some of the things there, of course, this is not the intention of Mr. Nazir, mm. um, but some of them are quite gossipy like, in a sense. Right? Yeah, but it's a very well-researched book, MJ, because yeah. if you look at the bibliography, right? I yeah, look at the yeah. references that, that he has made. I think he had tried to be as accurate as possible. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a lot of work. For me, when I first read the Hello book, references are that's yeah. Good. When I first read the book and introduced it to you, I was like thinking this, this, this is something that I think I would say the current cohorts of investors in Malaysia. I find yep. that it's a important walk through history though, because if you talk about the who's who in the market back in the days of the nineties and yep. the early two thousands, uh, everything is almost listed here lah. Yeah, but as as a disclaimer, yeah. I think people. People also need to know this is a form of self-biography. Correct. Right? Correct. So uh, there will always be uh, biases. Correct. But um, at least my conclusion reading the book was that even though there were some biases, 
but I think that is very well thought through, very well structured, very yeah. honest. Yes, right? yes. We tend to think of people in power that uh, are always hiding something, and certainly nobody can review everything, right? Whether you have power or not. But uh, it was very heartening to see someone this powerful sharing so much. So let's get into the first thing we want to talk about, and it's more or less the structure of the book as well. Yeah. And that has to do with the admiration of his father. For those of us who don't know Malaysians or non-Malaysians, like uh, Mr. Nazir Razak's father is actually the second prime minister. This would be Tun Abdul Razak. He is um, known to be the father of uh, Bapa Pembangunan, right? Development. Father of development. He is a very well uh, connected, and also he. I, if I'm not mistaken, he's uh, was he Robert Quark's? Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, he was very close to Robert Quark actually. Yeah, he was one of his uh, classmates, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah. they were well. The point is that they were well connected, lah. Yeah. So he was the uh, guy who actually initiated the NEP, right? The very controversial policy of the new economic policy. Um, and you know, we talk in Malaysia a lot about Bumiputra rights and things like that. So it was originated by uh, Tun Abdul Razak, uh, but with a very different intentions for what it is today, at correct, least according correct. to his son, yes. right? But before we go there, right, I, I, I want to talk about how much he admires his father. So I'm just going to read out an ep- excerpt, <laughs> excerpt from the book, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I grew up the son of Tun Razak, the master builder of modern Malaysia. Now. Before I go on, I think this is a, I don't know whether this is a, a, a an elbow or a jibe at our fourth and seventh prime minister, because <laughs> if you know the uh, name, that the, the name that they give uh, Tun Mahathir is the uh, Bapak Pemodenan, right? Yes. The modernizing the father, father of, of Malaysia. Uh, Malaysia. So I don't know whether, it, you know, that was what you tried to do, but yeah. I shall not speculate further. Yeah. Uh, then after that, it says the structural engineer who put in place the foundations which has largely sustained the country till this day. Now, what do you think about what do you think about this this uh, statement and this attitude about his father? Because one can easily say that you know he's just being rose-tinted glasses because he's his father and he's the, he's the youngest son, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, what do you think about about this? I mean. I, I read, I was, when I was reading that chapter for me personally, MJ, I was like, oh my God, can you come to the juicy part straight away? You know? yeah. right? But then I, after I read the final section of the book, uh, I understood why, uh, I understood why he had to put that into context because a lot of the policy failings that we have today was not that the policy itself failed. Yeah. It was the, how would I say, uh, be a good word. Uh. The, the twisties, the execution, yeah. the twisting of the, the policy PP, yeah. that benefited only a certain few. Yeah. The ideology of the policy at that point of time when Malaysia was at that stage in its growth uh, yeah. was actually very good, very important. Uh, yes, they definitely, it will sound biased because it's his son, you know, he's the youngest son. Um, he actually hardly saw his father. A lot of, why I say it's a little bit fairer was because a lot of what he gleamed or what he wrote was actually from references rather than from his first person behavior. First person, because he was so young. He's, he, his father died in London when he was about- 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah, he was so young. A lot of the references he actually had about the policies that his father had yeah. uh, uh, put in place was actually, um, the close confidence that his father had, references from the bibliography. And I think because of that, it was a slightly more fairer um, portrayal. I mean, it got so, I still remember like people, my dad's age or older, right? They were actually very supportive of this. And these are Chinese. Correct, correct. And Indians and all. I'm not saying my dad is Indian. (laughs) 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 But but you get what I mean, right? Yes, yes, People are very supportive. And I I think your dad, maybe you can share some of your personal experience when you talk to your, if you do talk to your dad about Mm. this, because your dad's also in civil service, right? Correct. Like, was he also a supporter of the NEP back in the day? He was a supporter of rural development from my personally okay. for my dad because it's something that um, MJ. We, we for me, I, I consider myself a city boy la, Even though yeah, yeah, but at the same time, my dad had quite strong roots to to uh, to how we say the outskirts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think regardless of race, I think 
at that point of time, the majority of uh, uh, the Malaysian population was living in the outskirts. Yep, yep. And it was a very skewed kind of, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, segregation. And I think that's where the civil service at that point in time excelled because one, sad to say they were British trained. Right. When I say right. sad, I, I didn't mean it in a condescending manner. I said sad in the sense that I think the civil service of today versus the civil service of the past, even some of the senior guys will tell you that the, it's changed. It has yeah. changed the standard and all that. And to you, back to your question about whether they were supportive of this, I, I guess they were in a sense that because it was trying to elevate a larger portion of the society and the population. Yeah. And I think in his book, because of the simplistic way uh, uh, um, uh, Tun Abdul Raza actually lived and how he wanted to bring the rural folks to have uh, uh, better prospects in life, I think that was the true idealistic intention of NEP. Right. And yeah. so I, I know uh, some of the more uh, prominent names that came out of it was uh, Felda, right? That's yes, one of them. Yes, yes. And and uh, what are some of the others that that you you can remember that came out? Of this uh, I think the uh, rubber was quite a big thing mm, back mm. then. Uh, the other thing was actually coca. And my, coca my dad coca. was a coca farmer, ah, and okay. and also uh, he rubber. owned a farm or he worked at the farm. He worked. My grandfather owned oh, a coca okay, farm, right? Okay, a small one. Uh, and uh, a lot of the times uh, when he. On the way to school, they either had to, my mom had to tap rubber right, on the right. way to school. My dad had to dry coca right. <laughs> during the holidays. So back then, I mean, you're talking about 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? That, that was the kind of uh, economic drivers for the country. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think NEP at that point of time worked. Right. Yeah, worked because you talk about trade, right? What trade? Uh, 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 Man, the manufacturing sector wasn't really. Yeah, it doesn't. There's, there's no export. Yeah, but, uh, the, not that much. Uh, there's no such commodities. Uh. There's no such thing as the industri industrialized sector back then. Uh. we're not. We're not like yeah. Manchester or Liverpool in the UK where the industrial yeah. sector hit them in the 1900s. Uh. yeah, we didn't have that. Uh. So what in? I mean, reading the book and all that. What was your sense of how things uh, got wrong? Right. My idea is that because I'm I'm quite far removed from the happenings of. Don't talk about you know, the 60s or the 70s. I'm quite removed from the happening in the 90s, right? Because mm. that's when I was born. Mm. What do you think went wrong with how all of this transpired? Of course, we can cite things like greed and of course, uh, and all of these things. But was there something wrong you felt in the structure or the NEP that allowed for this sort of- uh, I think the structure was all right. Uh, but rather than go jump straight to that, MJ, I rather go through uh, some of the corporate history in Malaysia. Can. Because from there, then I think the audience will get um, a much better sense of how it evolved. Rather, sure. because if we go into that right now, right, obviously people can see what has gone wrong. You know, uh, company bailouts, uh, uh, policies that really favor only one particular race, uh, and all that. But I think rather than look at it at the end, which is now. Sure we go through the evolution and the history of what, what, what made that. Yeah, let's so do let's that. talk about CIMB, right? A lot of people don't know that Mr. Nazir was actually absolutely uh, instrumental. Correct. Right. And so to give people a sense, right, he joined the finance team in uh, 1989. Mm. And that was at the cusp, right? At the beginning yeah. of a very, uh, like a big boom, right? Mm. For mm. the capital market industry. Correct. Uh, in Malaysia. Now, what was interesting is that that was where I believe he formed a lot of positive opinions about the Chinese race. Yes. Because a lot of his teammates, right, were, you know, very hardworking, all the good stereotypes, right, of yes. Chinese uh, people. Um, key among them is this person called Steve Wong. Yes, he was his boss. He was his boss. And in fact, even though they knew that he is in, oh, sorry. A privilege. Even though they knew that he was privileged, he had a razak there, right? Yeah. Mr. Sivong didn't um, give him any, cut him any slack. In fact, that made it even harder because Correct. Now you have more to prove, right? Oh, Correct. You got, you got here because there's a razak in your name. Yes. And of course, what was, what, what I like the, the, the dynamic of their team <laughs> yes. was that 
he the the guy the Chinese were the doers, right? These were the people uh, doing the 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 I guess the Excel sheets or the writing in the paperwork. Now that yeah, he yeah. was the talker. Yeah, he was the talker. Yeah, you know, he, he was, was the, the BD, the business development. Yeah, you know? he was the BD guy, right? <laughs> so I, I like I like that whole uh, that whole dynamic, lah. But yeah. what what do you glean from this area of the book? I think. Uh, <laughs> A lot of people will throw brick bats at him and right, say, "Yeah, right. that, that's why he." I think the title of the book is very apt, like What's in the name, right? Yeah, yeah. People don't realize that there's also a burden to shoulder when you have this kind of name. You know, can you imagine oh, if you know? I was just uh, reading about, um, you know, over the weekend we were talking about looking into the palm oil industry. Yep, so for yep. those of you who you know want to know more, uh, stay tuned, guys. You're coming up, right? Yep, yep. So I was reading about Peter Lim. Peter Lim, this is the Singapore Peter Singapore Lim. Peter Lim, right, the right. guy who owns Valencia and all that. And uh, his first marriage ended in divorce, but he had two kids from the first marriage. And one of the daughter's name is actually Kim Lim. Okay. Kim Lim. Uh, she's actually very big into charity. Every week, every Chinese New Year, they'll actually spend their time just distributing food for Chinese New Year. So in one of the interviews that I read about her, her growing up, uh, uh, she's actually based on what I've read, she's very authentic. She's not the, uh, yeah, yeah, the diva, typical rich, the, the, the typical ish, rich yeah. diva yeah. kind of, right, right? She said, right, a lot of people also don't see the other side of the coin. The burden that people place because you have a name, because you are Peter Lee's That's daughter, true. because you are Nazir Razak's, or uh, because you are Najib Razak's brother, whatever. There's a, also a burden to it, you know? And it's actually like what you've illustrated the Steve Wong, right? I, I, I don't even remember there was one part of the book he said, Steve Wong actually threw the report out. <laughs> he literally just like, <laughs> so you're talking about the son of the, the former prime minister, right? The report, woo, soon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, but I'm going to put my conspiracy hat a little bit yeah. there, which is in the, in the 80s and the 90s, Mate was reigning power. Right? Uh, so the Razak name, name right? was, was probably, not, yeah, was probably right, suppressed. No, 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 la, yeah. Is the Mahate. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I think it's a great thing that he pointed this out because his closest confidence when he beat CIMB, yeah. as we will see later yep. when we talk about the book, was a lot of it was Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. His chief true. risk was Chinese. His, and Obviously, we were surprised because we we're Chinese. Yeah, of course. No, don't worry. I, I will, I will flame <laughs> our fellow Chinese right at the yeah, yeah, right yeah. At the end. Right at the end, also right. The, guys, by the way, the juicy part is coming. Our thoughts are coming right at the end. But yeah, continue. John. Yeah, but more importantly, is this he portrayed the team rather than from a racial perspective, but rather from a professional characteristics perspective. Mm. Meaning, what needed. Throughout the book, he actually pointed out about what needed, what professionalism and what skills and integrity that you need to survive and to grow in the banking industry, in the corporate finance world. Because he, on the other side, he also flamed when you have uh, uh, privileges, when you abuse yeah, privileges, yeah. right? Which we'll come to after this, right? Was thoroughly abused, but ironically, a certain race, right? It's not to say that the Chinese didn't abuse it, but he gave exam corporate examples by how with a certain policy in place, which is the NEP, certain races took advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is where it's a good time to talk. Uh, there's so many things we have to leave out in this book. Yeah. But let's talk about something that I think every Malaysian needs to know. Correct. Right? Correct. If you go to the, if you go to the US, uh, you know, most people, especially even in, in, in finance, right? don't talk about the wider public, they will have heard of the Enrons, they will have heard of the Lehman Brothers of this world, right? And today, okay, Malaysians, we have heard of 1MDB, mm. but you know, before 1MDB, there was uh, something equally as crazy, maybe yes. even worse. Even bigger. Even actually, bigger. At that point of time, inflation adjusted. Which uh. is the Renong Group. Yeah. So Some context first. What is the yes. Renong Group? So the <laughs> Renong Group was designed, okay, so right, uh, and in fact, that's why the, the book is very interesting. Yeah. One of the big challenges in, in any politics for that matter is actually money politics. Correct. Because you need to, to, to run a political campaign sustainably, you need to have money. Correct. Okay, who, 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 which kind of people have money? Business yeah. people. Yeah. Now in the past and even to today, to a large extent, the people with money are usually the Chinese. Yeah. So back then, AMNO, and again, this is very might be shocking to a lot of people. A lot of what uh, AMNO and BN, right, was funded by Chinese businessmen. Yes. And so, uh, 
of course, the uh, majority race in this country decided that this shouldn't be the case, mm. right? Again, it's that racial sort of mentality that is coming out. Yeah. Uh, so they have to find some other way to finance to finance it, and hence the Renault Group. So it's an even more intense version of One MDB. One MDB does not sound as racial as this. Yes. Yes. So um, now, one now how. I, I think, you know what, John, why don't you give your perspective? Like, what are the names <laughs> in Renong Group? And uh, later I'll talk about, you know, the 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 less the crap show that happened. Yeah. Uh, for those who probably uh, entered the investing world mm. probably in the past two years, let, let, let's give a perspective about what Renong was uh, and yeah. how big yeah. it was. Uh. So Plus. Plus UM, Highway, right? Uh, plus. UM Sunrise, yep. time.com, time.com, DRB Highcom. DRB Highcom, <laughs> yeah. All of these used to belong to the word Renong Group. Just imagine yep. how big it is. Yeah. It was huge. It, it was, was huge. It was huge. And the Renong Group was in a way the ah, okay, I know backholder is used for a back a bad thing, but it was actually the financier for this political vehicle called Amno. Yeah. And they needed it so that it could finance uh, the sustainability of the political agendas that Unknown needed to had. Because as you rightly pointed out earlier, um, Na, uh, Naz, um, Tun Abdul Raza realized that all this while a lot of what Amno was doing was being financed by Chinese. There was a lot of what they call it, uh, insecurity. It says, hey, I cannot be currying favors all the time. You know, yeah. he had to carry favor for Robert Kuo, he had to carry favor for a lot of Malaysian businessmen. Even Maybank, you know, as we were talking to to uh Tan Teng Bu, you know, yes. uh, what's the name of the Maybank? Ku Ku Tech Pot, right? Mm, the the, mm, the founder, mm, right? Mm. So can you imagine all these Tan Sun Kwan of Pan uh, Electric Malaysia? Pan Electric, ooh, yeah, okay. yeah. They were all financing uh, uh the political systems governance. Even in the US, we had the super PACs. So Correct. obviously they felt the vulnerability and they wanted they wanted this vehicle to actually sustainably carry the Amno finance weight. There was a few key players, and you know, when uh, Mahade came back to power, this this these wizards were brought back. Hmm. <laughs> Tundaim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old, <laughs> the old gang. The old gang, uh Tansri yeah. Halim. So this this name will not resonate to a lot of investors today, but if you ask anyone in their 40s and their 50s, yeah. definitely they'll know that. Your dad definitely will For know. For sure, that. sure, sure. And, and, yeah. and so the thing about Renong is that they kind of started, uh, I can't remember the exact date, but in the 90s, yes, right? Yes, And that was when the stock market was, it was the go-go years. Yeah, it right? was the go-go years. So there are IPOs, and I still remember stories from the past, right? Yeah. You just, there's a saying, you just subscribe IPO, you sure make sure money. Sure make money, man. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. So, uh, the pink sheets, right, they call it. Yeah. So, what happened is that they started expanding the businesses. And you know, there's this whole excitement going on, right, in the 90s, right? Correct. As they keep climbing up. Um, but everything went to a halt. And one such story is this. So, let me just read it out, right? Yeah. So, this involves uh, Tan Sri Halim uh, Sa'ad, mm. right? So, Ren, uh, you know, Renault Group and, and time, casual, uh, uh, time Engineering. So, Renault was a huge casualty of the 1997-98 Asian financial crisis mm. and was built out by its subsidiary. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. subsidiary bailing out mother company. <laughs> Holding oh. company. <laughs> Man, it's like, yeah. Mm. So, on January 2001, Halim offered to buy a 21.5% block mm. of shares in time for 875 million cash. He paid a deposit of Two million. Two million guys. And was owed another eight hundred and seventy-three <laughs> million. And he had until July to raise the funds. So right, he needs to raise the funds, right, in what, seven months, six months? Eight hundred and seventy-three million. So okay, interesting. But in June, Halim asked for an extension of the payment date, CIMB, which is where Raz, uh, uh, Raza is there. Uh, CIMB as the merchant bank involved had to make a decision. A failure to extend the payment date would lead to the collapse of Renong. Still, Nazir said no and called Tan Sri No Muhammad Yaakob to tell him that he had done. I said I want, so this is in verbatim. Um, yes, so I said I wanted him to know what I did, what I felt was right, mm. but I fully accepted that there might be consequences. I thought um, I might be out on my ear 
To my surprise, he replied, well done, you did the right thing. Come and help the government take over UEM and Renong from Halim. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> who is uh, Tan Sri Halim Sa'ad and uh, who is uh, Tan Sri No Muhammad Yaakob? Okay, Tan Sri No Muhammad Yaakob just came back. Okay, he's always been in the corporate scene, mm. but he just mm. came back in quite a big way. He's uh, right now taking over uh, uh, the chairmanship of M, M Bank. Mm. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, you know, Azman, uh, Azman Hashim, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Azman Hashim, which is the f- founder and also the chairman and CEO of, F- of M Bank, stepped down and he's taking yeah. over. But Tansri Mohamed No Yaakob was very instrumental because Nazir in his book uh, mentioned very clearly he was his mentor mm. in a way. And I think. Um, I would consider him in the entirety of the book, a buffer in between what Naze wanted to do, which was righteous, against people who wanted to twist their arm. I put it yeah. this way. Uh, Tansri Halim Sa'ad, if you look at his corporate history, I'm not sad to say, I've not seen any one of his businesses really succeed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at that point in time, he was a larger than life figure. I mean, he was, uh, there was one part of the story where uh, Naze and I think he's one of his aides uh, had to fly into Saudi Arabia to meet Tansri Halim. Yeah. For correct, some correct, kind correct. of deal. And then mm. they nearly crashed. And then, and then Naze had to drive the car on its own. But these were larger than life figures. These were people that got so used because of the entitlement that they had, right? So used to twisting around people's arms. And I think- They weren't building anything. Yeah, they weren't building anything. They were handed things. And they were twisting around us. And time, obviously, we, we wouldn't go into much of uh, the corporate history, but they got into trouble because they built an infrastructure way ahead of his time, which was the MSC Multimedia Super Corridor. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great vision. We are enjoying the benefits. We're reaping the benefits today. But it was- Time too- engineering, that's, it was smack in the middle of all this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smack in the middle, building the fiberized yeah, highway yeah. and all that, right? It was 10, 10 years, no, I would say 15 to 20 years ahead of his time. But at that point, it wasn't ready. uh, And we were financing a lot of it through that. And that's why why this this fiasco actually happened. So I think, think, you know, whatever we see in, let's say the Serbas today, the Sapura energies of today, right? If you go back in history, uh, you will see very similar If you inflation adjust its way, I believe it is bigger than one MDB. Oh, definitely. This is definitely, I mean, this you're talking about 2001. So you're talking yeah. about 21 years ago. Uh, a sum of 875 million, you know. Yeah, and you talk about all the other <laughs> subsidiaries. Yes, well, they didn't do well. yes, yes, yes. So yeah, I guess the other one I want to highlight uh, besides Renong was actually one of the, I think in, in his book, Nazir said, the only other time where CIMB Investment Bank actually lost money was Ekron. Yes, I remember this, yes. Yes, yes. yes. So for those of you who don't know who uh, what Ekron is, uh, Tan Sri Ting Pek King, you guys can go Google him up. He actually built the Bakun Dam. Mm-hmm. And Ekron was the holding vehicle that built the Bakun Dam. And um, they couldn't find a buyer. Obviously, you know, in today's time, uh, if you're investors of press metal, uh, you ironically have Tan Sri Ting Pek King and yeah. the government and our taxpayers' money to tag. Because of that, that's why press metal has cheap electricity today, nice. right? Nice, right? But at that point of time, they had to write, I can't remember the total amount. I mean, the books, there's a lot of numbers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they, that was the only time CIMB actually lost money, but they were forced because they were the underwriters of the IPO. And it reminds me of um, LC Titan and Maybank. I don't know if you know this one. The Yeah, it was like a hugely overvalued number for LC Titan. I think it was 20, 30 billion yeah. ringgit. And right? uh, Maybank Investment Bank as the underwriter had to step in and, and top yeah, up the shares. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. once you become an underwriter, yeah, you know, but underwriter and then you tie your hands at the back and then ask you to swim all that kind of, that, that's the role of, uh, sometimes the role of an yeah. underwriter. Uh. But hey, yeah. you know, cheap electricity. <laughs> Let's just forget about the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah. say, we got cheap electricity, you know. Yes, yes. So but, uh, next. Um, yeah, Southern Bank, right. Southern Bank is this 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 other one. Uh, this is the one part that I didn't quite read up about mm. because uh, uh, I realized that I can't remember because we read this months ago. Yeah. So then uh, to reread, for a refresh for today's pod, I I, 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 I had to miss it. Yeah. But 
you you really wanted to edit this story, right? Yes, uh, yes. So what 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 was your anger for this? Um, what, do you, what do you glean from this? I think the context was really um, how politics, corporate finance, and as well as um, in somewhat financial objectives get commingled because. Mm-hmm. Why I, 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 it, it stuck to me was because uh, there was a lot of bad blood. Okay, some context first, right? There's one other part preface to this, which was actually uh, RHB Bank wanted to buy CIMB, but for a song. And they were actually arm twisted. Uh, 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 Nazir Raza and uh, Tatsri Mohamad, no, no Mohamad Yaakob. And uh, the two founders of RHB Bank, that's Rashid Hussein and Tan Sri Chwamayu. Now, obviously, today he's not that prominent, but old timers will know Tan Sri Chwamayu yeah, is a yeah. very, very big corporate it's character. It's a Sai Park, right, today? Yeah, Sai yeah. One, but yeah. Sai Park is small as compared to those during those days, right? Right. Sai Park, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Nazir Razak literally gave them the middle finger, and mm. then him and uh, Tan Sri Noh were saying, okay, we may not have a job tomorrow <laughs> because it just gave them the middle finger, right? And at that time, RHB was aligned to the Anwar camp. Hmm. And Anwar, you have to remember, in the 1990s, he was, uh, the, the big shot. he was the de facto, you know, he was the finance minister, he had a big shot and they wanted to arm twist. So here comes the point when the Asian financial crisis happened, there were bank consolidation and Southern Bank actually took over another bank uh, uh, and they consolidated, they were strong. but. At that point of time, uh, Nazir saw some kind of synergy and uh, he wanted to take over Southern Bank, okay? Um, but at the same point of time, um, Tan Sri Tiong Hien Tan was actually very close with the family and with, in particular, Nazir uh, Razak's wife. Because Tan Sri Tiong Hien Tan's wife was actually saw Nazir Razak's wife grow up. She actually like was the second mother, godmother kind of thing, you know. And what happened in the Southern Bank fiasco was that it, it went very public, MJ. Um, so I know you've, uh, you missed that part, but they were having tit for tat fights, right? It, it got- Wait, wait, wait. I, no, now that you mentioned it. Yes, yeah. now I remember. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. There was a- Yeah, tit for tat. It was a showmanship. Yeah, it was a showmanship. Yeah, brinksmanship in, in the media. Yeah, yeah, it got yeah. so brutal because they were considered family friends, you know? Mm, they mm. were considered family friends, but when money comes in the way, when- uh, uh, for the lack of a better word, corporate corporate objectives came in a way. I think uh, their relationship was really tested. Mm. And why I, I felt it was a very personal story that I, I needed to highlight in this podcast was that, so funny, uh, Chua Mayu stepped in to mediate actually, mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> and when the whole thing happened, um, Nazir Raza and Tan Sri Tiong actually hugged and cried, both of them cried. Wow. So that was done amicably. But what happened was this, Men hardly talk about all this in front of the family. Mm. And the moment everything was settled, it was an intense uh, few months for, for Nazir. He came, he came down. The maid actually took a letter, because he has tons of letters that you know you can't you can't handle so many things, right? He had to prioritize, right? He put a letter right at the top of the pile. Mm. And that letter was a letter of eviction. Because the house that were yes, they yes, were yes, renting yes, yes, yes. <laughs> was actually Tashi Tiong's wife's own, and then they evicted them. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was a triggering. That was that, I think Nazir Razak felt a bit uh, hard Trigger. done by yeah, that. Hard yeah, hard done because they thought, oh, all this mud slinging and everything. Finally, we got to settle it in, in a way amicably, and then all of a sudden became personal again. You know? Yeah, yeah. So he had a phone straight away. He called them, and then yeah, but. You see, sometimes in the corporate life, right, for you to succeed, uh, sacrifices have to be made. Yeah. Friendship, uh, it's a choice. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not condoning it or anything, but- There are no easy, there are no easy answers. La, yes, there's no way. easy answers. And I think sometimes we, as investors, as outsiders, we only look at the success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this story actually showed the grit, uh, the blood and sweat, the sacrifices you had to make even as a personal, as a personal uh, human being as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely so, true, man. Um, next. Yeah, ah. let's talk about, uh, you know, the favorite topic of Malaysians over the past 10 years, <laughs> which is 1MDB. So now, um, one thing that's interesting about uh, Mr. Nasir Razak is that by and large, he has always been 
leaning towards Anwar, right? Leaning towards, be, partly because of his friendship with uh, Mr. Tong. Tong from yeah. hey, is he a Tan Sri? I'm not sure. Let me Google it up. I, but I'm pretty sure he prefers it. Tong to, la. Yeah, okay, la. I'm pretty sure he's a Dato though. <laughs> yeah, at, at least lah. But yeah. so anyway, so um, you you know all of us know how uh, the role that the H played in exposing the one MDB saga, right? Correct. Um, th- I believe the H was the one that that like paid like Javier Gusto for all the juicy details and Correct. whatever. Okay. Anyway, for those who are, this is not going to be about. One MDB. One MDB per se, but yeah. more on how Nazir Azad was interacting with all this. Correct. So he actually went to the chairman of One MDB, which is Tantri Muhammad uh, Bakke. 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 B-A-K-K-E. And also uh, another board member, which is Tantri Azlan uh, Zaino. Hmm. And after he went to them, they got removed. Just for context, Tansri Bake was former SIM uh, chairman, mm. a man of impeccable integrity. And uh, Tansri Azam, uh, uh, Azam Zaino was a CEO and chairman of EPF. Yeah. So very, very uh, credible guys at the top. Obviously, there's definitely uh, some brickbats about uh, their credibility, but yeah. Yeah, so uh, make of that what you will. Yeah. Um, you know, and what was very and this is probably i think where the book shines the best which yes. is that it actually shows you the inner workings of the family correct right because and i'll just read out uh, a few excerpts here right mm. so so this is nazir saying mm. right so i stayed behind the scenes nudging and prompting and encouraging our institutions and politi- politicians into action so mm. this is in relation to the debacle that is one mdb mm. had i done nothing I would have been able to look at, I wouldn't be, have been able to look myself in the mirror. Had I open, openly challenged my brother and split the family, I wouldn't have been able to look at my mom in the eye. And so he was tempted to uh, make this public. Correct. Right? And it would have a lot of clout because he is the brother. Right? Correct. And correct. this is, also, and, and it's not to say that he will not do it because he has done it in the past. Yes, right? yes, the yes. Bank issue, right? yes, yes. But uh, I'm not sure who convinced him. Actually, it was, uh, I remember this part very well. Tansri Rafida is this. Ah, the Asia the, bot, yeah, right? Yeah, so Tansri Rafida convinced uh, him to say, you guys can handle it. Who cannot handle it? Your, your mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and of course, after they realized that Nunazir Raza is on the other side, right? Um, is that, and then he said, my own family had been subject to a vicious and concerted attack online after I made veiled criticisms of my brother's handling of the affair. Then to cap it all, my father's good name was dragged into it, his reputation potentially tarnished in an effort to throw people off the scent. To not press for the truth to come out would be now be tantamount to turning my back on my own father, yeah. the principles of the public conduct that he upheld. So yeah. this is a catch-22. Right? Yeah, because he was, he felt tempted because when Najib starts saying things like, hey, I got my wealth through inheritance and all that, right? That's That was the trigger point for him because uh, uh, true, obviously the jury is out on this yeah, one. Yeah. The family wasn't rich. Yeah. The family wasn't rich. So when, yeah, A lot of people don't know this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. swimming. No? Yeah, swimming in cash, you know. Actually, the family wasn't rich. If you look at where... Uh, Nazir and Najib's brothers' uh, siblings are. They're actually they had they were self-made. Mm. One is an architect or an engineer. I can't remember. A few of them they had corporate jobs. You know, so it's not like uh, they were swimming in cash. They inherited a lot of wealth that they don't need to work for the rest of their life. They had a name, yes, yeah. for sure. That privilege. Yes, but that's yeah. not it, lah. Yeah, exactly. And and I think Nazir was very very triggered when statements like that was used to deflect off. Uh, where the source of money was coming from, and, and it, he felt so compelled that he had to. It was it was gnawing at him, lah. Put it this way, lah. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I was reading it, I, I felt, wow. If I had to be in your shoes, I had to feel. Not easy. It's not easy, you know. You, it's a tug of war. 
here you are, you have your mother who is a stakeholder, you have your corporate job, and he got dragged in because- He had one transaction. He had one right? transaction, and then he, one had, transaction <laughs> into he the... had to be audited, you know? Oh my God. It's like, hey MJ, uh, I want to like, let's say cycle money. Uh. I ask you just do one round, right? That's it. <laughs> or maybe you just ask me to help pay for one of your meals. That's it. You yeah, know? that's you it, man. Ask, like, why, why your transaction like that? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, what, I, what I liked, I mean, look, Whichever side you're on on this debate, if uh, you believe that 1MDB was really bad and that exposing was required, then do give thanks to Mr. Nazir Raza mm. right, for playing a role, for having be, being delicate in this because it's very easy to just go full on mm. and, and all that. And, and, and the more delicate, the more subtle approach of getting his friends and powerful people to you know try and solve this uh, was I uh, well it, of course with the benefit of hindsight definitely the right the, the right, right path the right move la. no Nazir uh, especially no Mister Tong with the age we will not know a lot of the things correct. that we already know today correct and I think here here comes the uh, the part where I think in the nuance of the book I I mean we are not trying to give you a shortcut to the book. I yeah, highly, yeah, highly yeah. recommend you guys to, yeah. to read it. But we want to, how to put this, uh, I, I think it's such an important history, especially if you're going to invest in Malaysia, right? It's such an important history that you pick up lessons, you pick up nuggets from here, that you understand there's investing, there's no binary answer. Yeah. There's no ones and zeros. And at that point of time, at that particular circumstance, this was the cards that were dealt with, dealt with and they had to do it. And in this part where I had to give a lot of credit to uh, Tong was because he's actually not in Mahade's camp, you know. He's mm. actually Anwar's camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahade really crucified him, you know, mm. right? And, and yet he and Naze flew to London to kind of beg Mahade to intervene. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, uh, you know, when I read this, I couldn't put down. I at that, that that chapter of the book, I really couldn't put it down because it's like we only see the surface headline news of the expose, but behind the scenes, can you imagine these were people using their own time and resource and yeah. money to try to expose some things because they felt they were right, mm. and I have a lot, a lot of respect for that. I mean, Nazir could have just ah yeah whatever lah, chinchai. I just yeah. stay with my family. Why do I have to? burden myself with this emotional trauma yeah. of going to expose all this. And I think this was where I felt was the turning point of where he ra rose above just a corporate career, rose yeah. above uh, the belief that he wanted a better Malaysia. And, yeah. and, and he had to go through so much emotional turmoil. And, and this actually, you know, um, Malaysians have him to thank and somewhat lah. Hundred percent. Yeah, for, for you can imagine in 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 Tun Am's shoes, right? When the youngest brother and they're not, if from what I understand, they're not the Mahate best of friends. And the Raza family are not, <laughs> not the uh, best of friends. <laughs> no lah, right? I wouldn't put hatred, although I wouldn't discount it, disregard it. But uh, they are not best of friends. And then when the youngest brother comes in and says, you know, please do yeah. something, right? Then I think that's probably where. Because even for even for Tun M's again, whether you disagree with his policy is the second question. Yeah. I think but for Tun M to step out of retirement mm -hmm. basically, yeah. 90, 90 away, so to do it, right? Yeah. Means that they really felt that they needed to uh, Yeah. So uh we, we can thank them for that, la, but yeah. then uh, what proceeded <laughs> after that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> second you see the problem is right, uh, MJ. Macam yes to tapi There's so many stakeholders. Mm. The problem is everyone I mean when someone advances their agenda, mm. um, sometimes there's always, not sometimes, a lot of times there's always a hidden agenda. How many people can be a Lee Kuan Yew? How many people can have that kind of integrity above self and all that? You, you can almost be a saint. But I think where the dilemma for Malaysia is today is that people get away too much with their own personal agenda. Yeah. I yeah. think that's where the balancing power. That's why That's why the three branches of government, you have the judiciary, the executive and all that. So that there is some sort of balance of power mm. because absolute power corrupts. I have to say this over yeah. and over again. Absolute yeah. power corrupts. And the check and balance mechanism is there for a reason. The moment there is an imbalance, that's where people get 
too much leeway to advance their personal yeah, agenda. Yeah. And that's where even great policies uh, uh, like the NAP to, to, to help foster Malay entrepreneurism, to up, uh, to up level their, their, well, uh, their social status and all that has been twisted to benefit just a few. Yeah. I mean, NEP on its own would have been great. I mean, if Im- implemented correctly. La. But again, it, it boils down to execution and the people, the stakeholders within the executors of that policy playing to their truth. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Which is a good time to talk about the final uh, segments of the book, yes. which is uh, the three-headed monster. Mm. Now, the three-headed monster is what uh, Nazir Raza would say is the three biggest things that's holding back Malaysia from Malaysia from achieving full, poten- full potential. Yeah. The first is identity, or I- more commonly known in America as identity politics. Mm. The second is the unrestrained role of money in politics, which is what we talked about a little bit about earlier on, and yeah. also the over-centralization of... Uh, powers. Mm. Now, he did give a solution, right? We, and again, you see, this is where the respect he has for his father comes in. So, mm. the, um, na, na, sorry, Tun na. Raza, Abtun Abdul Raza, uh, during the upheavals in the 60s, right, came up with this thing called the NCC, which is the National, I believe, Consultative Council. Right, so it was established in 1970 and it was an effort right, to recalibrate the entire political, economic and social system of the country after the 1969 May 13 riots, yes. which is interesting. It was just three days ago. Yeah. Right? Um, now, I'm going to read quite a few things here, so uh, bear with me. But here's the thing, please, right? Please I want to add. About, yeah. yes. So, um, he said the NCC cannot clear the way for a national recalibration unless it is confident of tackling the three-headed monster, which is what I mentioned earlier on, identity, money, and of course, over-centralization of power. Mm. And yeah, so in 1970, right, the NCC made up of 67 people from political parties, communal groups, NGOs, religious groups, professional bodies, and businesses from across society to establish positive and practical guidelines for interracial cooperation and social integration for the growth hmm. of a Malaysian uh, identity. So that's the, the main objective, right? Because if there's a shared common culture, common belief, then it'll be easy. Hmm. So the NCC endorsed NEP, the National Economic Policy, to eradicate poverty and to increase the Malay and indigenous share of the economy, right? Now, uh, to give some sense, right, to those listening, uh, in the 1970s, I believe the share of the uh, Malay, uh, when it comes to economic uh, abilities, about two and a half percent. It was mm. really low. Yes. Today, thanks to the NEP, I think it's somewhere closer to 21 percent. So it's, it's like not a, reached 30, la, which was the. The goal is 30, yeah. right? 21 percent, uh, 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 something mm. like that. Mm. So, then continuing, right? So, limits to public discussions on communi- communally sensitive issues and the Rukun Negara as a set of guiding national principles to help imbue a sense of Malaysian identity. So um, they didn't really talk about some of the sensitive issues, Mm. but certainly there was a discussion going on among these people. So Mm. the NCC also laid the ground for the founding of BN and the council brought Malaysia back from the brink and its reform underpinned years of peace and stability, albeit at the cost of some limitations to democracy. So the council members uh, were encouraged to debate the most important issues facing the country, aware of the dangers of this absolute power. Abdul Razak wanted to hear criticism and challenge, recognizing that unless issues were aired, it would be impossible for the right decisions to be made. Mm. Now, continuing, so please bear with me. Uh, NCC avoided getting bogged down in small issues, nor mm. did it focus on just one issue. It took a realistic yet ambitious agenda, which allowed the different communities to trade off compromises in one area with benefits in another. Mm. To put it crudely, the council allowed deals to be done between different communities Mm. to create a way forward to which all could sign up. We need to engage in that kind of creative deal making now to reset our course. So the last bit here would be this, right? Um, He likens Malaysia to a bit like Italy in the, I believe the 18th or the 19th century, right? Mm. So Massimo Di Azeglio, I'm not, not sure who he is, uh, the, in the Italian statesman declared, we must 
have made Italy, mm-hmm. because for some context of Italian politics, right, they were very splintered in the, the in the boot, right? The yep. Italian boot. Yep. Uh, you know, we must have made Italy, now we must make Italians. Mm-hmm. So that is still a work in progress in a nation made up of Venetians, Sicilians, and Romans. Creating a stronger, uh, embracing Malaysian identity is a long cultural work in progress as much as a political one. So thank you for listening to my audio book. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the, the NCC, right? Um, what are your thoughts? I think uh, first is actually the political will to set it up. Yeah. And ironically, there is a lot of grassroots uh, organizations that are already standing up to this. Um, Bursay. Yeah, yeah. It's one of them. The other one, I can't remember. It was something about a scholar. I, I'm not too much uh, into politics yep, today yep. because it kind of turned me off. Turns everybody off. <laughs> yeah, it well, it turns some people, it either turns you very off or turns you very odd. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Depending on who you are. Yeah, yeah, depending on who you are. Most people don't care, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, in the middle, right? And the reason why I say this is because I think a lot of these grassroots uh, organizations actually have specific agendas that they want to address because tackling the big picture requires a lot of political yeah, will. Yeah. And um, you know, once you read that excerpt uh, from the book, MJ, I think at least he's trying to provide options to a solution. Mm. Because a lot of people, we end up just complaining and we stop there. Yeah. But how do we solve it? How do we move forward? Uh, what is amicable uh, to most people? That That's always been a question mark, you see. And I think where I would add on my thoughts is that um, the moment that unbalance of power happens, I think that's where a lot of this political will just get siphoned off. What do I mean by this? How many people within your sampling group uh, understand when they when they elect yeah. a member of parliament, what is the role of the member of parliament? Mm. You see where I'm coming from? That they don't know like the uh the 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 whole the, the not the Senate, the the no, no, what's the, the parliament lah, basically Le- legislation. Lah, the legislation, yes, yeah, correct. Yes, the legislature. In in the in the states, I mean, uh, I I have never studied the states. You have the Senate and the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives, yeah. Congress, sir. You study that in school, you know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you remember whether in Form Five you studied this. Actually, this was only covered in Form Six, Lower Six. It's oh. under Pengajian Am. Um. Mm, okay. You, so you see from young, right? You have never had the inculcation of the understanding of the system of government. Yeah. And because of that, that's why people don't care. Lah. Yeah. And I think that's where the first thing has to start. And I'll share with you a personal story related to this. I was on a flight from Miri to KL and the person I was chatting to was actually a lawyer in training. She's, mm-hmm. uh, she's doing her LLB. And I was commenting, there was the time of when Tan Sri Abdul Ghani Patayal was actually prosecuting Anwar. For the, 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 the sodomy, sodomy case. Or the, 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 the second sodomy. The second sodomy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I was asking her about her views on the role of an AG and all that, right? And I said that my classmate, actually one, one of my classmates, uh, his father is actually Tan Sri Steve Shim. Tan mm. Sri Steve Shim is actually, uh, for those of you who uh, uh, don't know the judiciary, he was actually uh, chief justice for Sabah Sarawak, which is the third highest, I think. So you got chief justice of Malaysia and all that. So was us. So for me, I wanted her views as a lawyer, as a not yet a lawyer, but uh, uh, going to be a lawyer. What were the the separation of power even in judiciary? You know, and I got a blank stare because she couldn't understand the difference in between the AG and the the judiciary. She's in law to make money. Charlie. Yeah, so 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 you see you see where I'm coming yeah, from, or yeah. You study these branches of government, the legislature, the judiciary, and executive. Yeah, yeah. Only lower six. So if you don't do from six, you do elevens, then you don't study this, you know, at all. And yet we have. And how many people actually remember even they did? Yeah, yeah. And, and how many people actually care? Yeah, you see? Yeah, yeah. And if that is the case, then what you have is this: you have a big chunk of the population looking at rhetorics of politicians. Yeah. yeah but not understanding what are the mechanisms of the framework to go about solving it. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. 
So you've got, that what happens is you've got the enlightened or the elite, those people who like KJ lah, go to mm. go to Oxford, study PPE or that kind of thing, come back, correct, involved correct. in politics, then they understand, right? But if you're just a normal engineer, a normal QS, in life, as you go along, you want to have kids, you want to have family, why do you even care about the system of government? Yeah. And that's where I feel belies the problem because this book, most people will read, the, the enlightened yeah. ones, right? How many of it will trickle down to a greater yeah. population so that the the power of the collective is stronger? Yeah. I felt that- I, that think, I think that's a very good point. The yeah. power of the collective, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's the, you know, we were talking about education and all that. Hmm. And I, I thought about this and, you know, for those listening, you know, um, I, personally, I've not heard this solution hmm. that I, I am, I know it sounds very arrogant, but this solution that I'm, proposing, mm. uh, but and I don't believe that I'm the only one mm. who, who, who believes in this, mm. but um, here, here's where I think the issue is uh, with mm. regards to solving the big three monsters of money and all that. Mm. Um, I think the problem with Malaysia is that we don't have that united front, yes. right? We don't have that uh, shared, like, belief systems about mm. what is like the base bare bone human right the rights are the rights of a citizen in, in yeah this country. And, and also what is a malaysian right mm-hmm. no nobody has a, I, identity yeah everyone has you know i'm chinese i'm i'm malay i'm, I'm indian i'm whatever right and that is important to retain but Underneath that, there needs to be a common understanding of we are Malaysians. Yes, yes. And so for me, the question is how do we uh, achieve that? And I believe to solve the issues of Malaysia requires, there are, there are only idealistic options. Correct. There is no- There's no in-between no, or it, compromise. Yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, it's harder, it's harder. Like compromise would be what we're doing. Yeah, yeah which, is, doing which is what's going on, but he's not, is it working? I, I doubt yeah. so. <laughs> so, um, the first is actually the big mistake by all, I would say all races is language. Oh yes. Because before we even talk, uh, like we, we like to talk about the fancy stuff, right? Uh, especially those who are, you know, more English educated and whatnot. Um, before you even talk about it, you know, how, how, if we cannot talk to each other, like what is the point? Yes. So of course the mistake was made during the eighties that they would make, uh, they would give, the Malay language of certain primacy um, at the expense of English. If they had maintained parity in terms of the importance, that'd oh, be yeah. great. And, and I'm sure you can attest to this. Oh yes, definitely. People in the, like civil servants right after the British rule, right? You know, it doesn't matter what race. <laughs> they were all excellent in English and they were top quality and everything, right? And 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 today, like even cluster schools, Kebang cluster, Kebangsan schools, you've got people who teachers who cannot converse in English. You know what I was laughing at, uh, MJ? It's like, today, right? If we meet a Malay friend uh, who can speak deep Queen's English, uh, we are shocked. We'll keep him, you know? Yeah, okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is so, which is sad. Yeah. I'm laughing is because it's sad. Now, that's one That's one area. Yeah, yeah. So the Chinese being the second largest uh, in the country had an opportunity Correct. to now say, let's, prioritize English the same way Singapore did it. Mm, mm, mm. But no, instead, it got pushed into the Chinese language. The Huatong. Yeah, the vernacular school. And yeah. then of course the Indians follow suit. Yes, yes. Right? Yes, yes. So everyone's moving their own direction. And you know, you cannot choose Malay mm. as the, the 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 final medium of exchange. Yes, it should be there. Everybody should learn it, right? Mm, because mm. it is it is it is is the motherland's language. Mm. But if you pick that, then there's going to be a limitation for international competitiveness Correct. and interaction, right? Correct. In fact, a lot. it's so sad that a lot of our diplomats cannot speak English. <laughs> I can understand if you are the home minister and you cannot speak English. Mm-hmm. You're mostly talking to your fellow yeah, yeah. Malaysians, right? But or Minister of Rural Development. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I'm fine. fine. <laughs> but the diplomat, right? <laughs> like the speak. ambassador cannot eat. It's the, isn't that the bare yeah. minimum? Yeah, yeah. And when you put English on top, right? It means that no race has an agenda. The, the Chinese cannot get the Chinese. Yes. So the issue with Chinese is that it's too difficult to learn. Yeah. yeah, you can say that China is going up and all that, but to get people to learn Mandarin, even Chinese people is so difficult really. Yes. And of course with, with Tamil, 
uh, well, I mean, there are like hundreds of languages in, in India uh, anyway. And mm. I think if you ask most Indians, they will prefer to you know converse in, in English as well. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing that we need to do. The second thing that I would propose, and this is probably the hardest to do, is that there'd be no repercussions for cross marriages, mm. interracial marriages. Mm, mm, mm. Because you see, right, what, what, what is a more efficient way to get people to share a common culture and a common belief? Yeah, you can educate, you can put it in your textbooks, you can give talks, you can give TED Talks, you can write books, you can start YouTube channels and do all this. But nothing beats, right? The old school method. Pranakan. Yeah. The yeah. straights people. That's exactly. the best example. You come you come to Sarawak. Guys, come to Sarawak. I need exactly. anyone who listens to this and have worked, uh, especially West Malaysians, that have come and worked in Sabah or Sarawak. That is a testament of one Malaysian. Exactly. And yes. so yes. Um, I will not dwell too much into what these repercussions are. Yeah. But if there was a way yes. where all races can marry each other and not have undesirable outcomes immediately, then I think that will solve a lot of problems because yes. then now it will remove Malay, Chinese. And no, I'm I'm 40% Chinese and 60% Malay. <laughs> no, I'm 12% Indian <laughs> and I'm 40% Chinese. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the third one would be, um, this is, uh, I think this is probably, this is the easiest to execute, but whether people will accept it, the second one is actually to standardize uh, 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 naming. The same ways what uh, Indonesian Indonesians, Indonesian Chinese people did. So, all of us will have not necessarily. Uh, it, it will be more like Nusantaran sounding names, mm. right? So, what, what, imagine right if all these three was achieved, then we've got a ground for an NCC. Then yes. we've got a ground for common. So now it's you and I talking as people with a very similar mix of race on a common language. You see now when, when Nazir Razak writes a book like that, who yeah. reads it? Who the reads English it? educator. It's all the English educator. Can you imagine a vernacular school person trying to read this? No, it's gone. It's, 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 I wish it would be translated because I, I felt that this book is just, not just a testament uh, to the history of corporate culture in Malaysia, but a testament to the problems we are living in, in Malaysia, yeah. right? Because you want to say money politics or, you know, a lot of people come from one angle at MJ. They say, mm. oh, eliminate corruption. How? Yeah. <laughs> you need money to, 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 to have infrastructure projects. You need money to keep people happy, to keep people sane and all that. I don't think, that's why I said there's no binary answers. I like the three suggestions that you add. But I will add on, it's hard. Yeah. I add on a few things that I think one would be simpler. I grew up in a LaSalle school and um, I was very lucky. Uh, I don't know, I would use the word privilege. I was lucky. It was a public school, but because it was a LaSalle school, it was a, uh, the, the cream de la cream of the Sarawak political system, civil service, even business community mm. came mm. from that school. And what we had is you share a common bond. You see, uh, the struggle is this. When you come into, when you are in your, 27, your teenager life and you come into maturity working adult, right? There's already a certain bias form. There's, uh, for you to build trust, there's already a wall. Yeah, you come yeah. into the, but when you grow up as kids, you know, you understand this guy at six to seven, you know the nuances, you know his culture, whatever, right? The bond, the trust, uh, no matter what, you look at back at your primary school friends, if you had primary school, secondary, all the way, right? That bond will never be lost one, you know? I don't yeah, know if you yeah, realize yeah, that yeah, or not. Yeah, 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 correct. And I think that is the root of the problem. You know, earlier I mentioned about schools not educating uh, the three branches of government and the importance of it. I think more importantly is to have a singular schooling system. No vernacular. Yeah. No vernacular. I'm, I'm Chinese. Uh, I used to be the president of the Malaysian Chinese student body in the polytech where I studied. Mm. And I didn't speak a sing I, I didn't write a single word of Chinese. Mm. And the reason why I was, I guess I was elected was because I was uh, daring enough, very liberal in, in my words to, to the seniors and all. That's why they elected me for some, some sort of a courage. But I find it very sad that the, even the Chinese have a lot of bias to the Malays. Yes, They're yes. all lazy and all yeah. that kind of thing. And then here we have the Malay bias towards the Chinese. Why? Because of the, 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 the separate schooling systems. Can, can you imagine if we had a singular schooling system? Yeah. Uh, a, a, a common uh, language. I, I think Bahasa Melayu in Singapore is an official language, you know? Yeah, it is. It is it's it an is. official they language. They just converse in English. Right? Yeah, they just converse in English, but it's mandatory for you to do Bahasa Melayu. Right? And, and I think with this flip-flop of languages, with this more and more, I see, very sad, segregation, when 
when I was schooling, there were missionary schools and government schools, and the standard was not so separate. Uh, and and obviously the vernacular. But you see today you have Malays, Indians, sending their kids to vernacular schools. Why? If they had an option, I'm pretty sure they'll send you to international school. They'll send their kids to international school yeah. because they can afford it. Why? Because they know there's a certain standard. There's less racial tonality or bias within that school. It's because everyone wants the best education for the kids. But here you are, you have this separate spending. When I say this, uh, I would say professional spending on creating schooling systems that actually segregate our society. That's where the root cause of the problem is. Yep. If you solve the schooling problem, I would dare say 60 to 70% of the problem would be gone. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, seriously. Or maybe we'll have a new set of problems, but it wouldn't be the problems. Yes, yes. Now. I mean, you start them, you start it at the, you, you kind of start at the root cause of it. Once you get that schooling system right, you get the uh, policies of languages right, uh, a lot of these nuances will, will, will you know, yeah. the upside will be taken care of. Really. Yeah. Yeah, sure, so. I think yeah. uh, anything else, MJ, you have? Uh, there's always more, but uh, you know, we'll leave it for some other time. Uh, yeah, guys, you can get this book. I, I'm not sure if it's on Kindle, but definitely get a hard copy. I think there's I a think Kindle copy, but the hard copy, you know, I, you see all the, the creases yeah, I've, yeah. I've filled it because so it's many- It's worth less. getting a hard copy, guys. Yeah, because so. you can get the photos as well. Yeah. The photos beautiful. of- Yeah, beautiful photos. Uh, so. All right, uh, all right, John. So uh, we'll- call an end to this pod. It was a fun one to do. It's yeah. been a while since we did one where it's just- uh, Both us, of us, right? right? Yeah. Maybe we should do Actually, let us know, right, in the comments, right? Do you, like, what's a good ratio to have? Like, how many of it should be guests? How many of it should be us reviewing books or talking about investments and whatnot? And uh, yeah, guys, uh, if you enjoy this sort of content, make sure you share our Spotify and YouTube to friends and family who might find it useful and share it on your socials as well. And of course, uh, peace out. See you in the next pod.